0: Love, talk Radio. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Fat Man Radio, sponsored by FatMan.com. And I am your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, helping you become perfectly healthy in toned. So tonight I have a show that I'm very, very excited about. I started reading a book, and it actually led me. To this particular guest, so I think that she has a lot of great things to share, and there's something that kind of flies under the radar so um I hope that you will enjoy the show tonight, and I hope that some of you will call in and ask some questions you know don't be shy, I know sometimes people are on the line, and I can see that you're on, and when I come to bring you on you don't you don't ask a question, but don't be shy. The way to learn is to ask questions and go about educating yourself and when you have someone. Um, That's on that's going to be able to answer your questions from an expert point of view. Take advantage of that. Uh, One thing I wanted to say tonight is and I like to share things with the audience here is that um, sometimes I don't know why, but I've been doing the show for a while now, but I still get nervous. I still get those little butterflies uh, inside my stomach. And it's as if I'm stepping on the basketball court. For the first time, like I did in seventh grade, and I remembered all the butterflies I um, had in my stomach, and since that time in seventh grade and coming up through college, I probably played basketball in front of thousands of people, but I always get nervous before the show. Can't understand that. But I think sometimes nervousness is good. It keeps you on your toes, and I don't ever want get, to get sloppy, but I would encourage everybody out there to kind of come out your comfort zone every once in a while and try some things that you don't necessarily try. So, I'm going to stop running my mouth and get the show started. Tonight, as I said, I was very excited about the show. I was actually reading a book called Sugar Shock by a woman named Connie Bennett. And she referred, um, actually, she was talking about hypoglycemia. And it just so happens that um, she mentioned the name in the book. And as I go through things, I start Googling things because I want to know who people are. So I Googled Roberta Ruggiero. And um, I found out that she started a hypo, Hypoglycemic uh, Support Foundation. And I also found out that she lives right in Sunrise, Florida, which is probably about 10 minutes away from where I live here in uh, Davie, Florida. So I was super excited to get her on, and I'm always excited to get anybody right here in Florida. And there's a couple of guests when I first started the show that are right in my neighborhood, uh, Roberta being one and the other person being... Um, was uh, Raymond Francis, which is Never Be Sick Again. That's a great show. And I'm getting ready to call this show tonight an instant hit. I know we're going to have a good time. I spoke to Roberta over the phone, and um, we hit it off immediately, and I told her some things that I was intrigued by when I spoke to her, and it just seems like she's a very, very good person and that she has a lot to share. So without further ado, let me bring on Roberta Ruggiero.
1: Thank you so much, Darren. I really, really appreciate it. I am very excited, and I feel those butterflies, too, and it's good to have them.
0: Yeah, it's always good to have them. I know, like I said, it always feels like I'm stepping on the basketball court. If you don't know I'm a basketball player. We finally meet in person. You and I am a basketball player because I'm 6'7". Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So um, it always just feels like when I first stepped on the basketball court in middle school and 7th grade, I always get those same little butterflies. So but Like I said, at the beginning of the show, it's always a good thing. So what I normally do, Roberta, is I start people off by telling telling the audience about your journey. How did you come to start the Hypoglycemic Support Foundation? But more importantly, how did you find out that you had uh, hypoglycemia?
1: Well, I guess the story begins, really, um, and I can't leave it out because it's important. It started way back in 1961. Um, right after my daughter was born, and I just couldn't wait until she was born. Um, and something happened when I got home. Uh, instead of being happy, go lucky, and be thrilled, um, I was just very, very depressed. I was very depressed. I had severe crying spells. And when I went to the doctor, he says, don't worry about it. This is very, very normal. It's after baby blues. So one month led into another, into another, and, um, I, you know, they never went away. And what happened, um, in conjunction with the crying spells, I started now to get severe headaches. I started to get the shakes. I started to get insomnia, and I kept on going back to the doctor. And, again, he said, don't worry about it. But this time he gave me Valium. This was my first introduction to a tranquilizer. So um the months passed and before you know it um I was pregnant again so my son was born in 1963 and all the symptoms that I had after my daughter was born were compounded after my son was born. So I had severe insomnia. I had crying spells. I had severe fatigue. It was very difficult to get up in the morning. I had cold hands and feet where I remember so vividly my husband would wrap them up and practically sit on top of them because they were so cold to a point of, of, of being painful. And uh, I would keep on going back to the doctor and he says i just don't understand so we'll increase the valium and then he says well since i had such severe head pains let's take some tests so the scenario of going back and forth to the doctor increasing medication going in for numerous tests lasted for five years after five years he says "Roberta." The tests are all normal. There's nothing physically wrong with you. He says, and I know you have these symptoms. I know you know that they're real. So I think maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Now, Darren, you're talking about the year of, you know, like 1965, 66, 67. You know, the psychiatrist was very frightening. Nobody went. Nobody talked about it. So I was so desperate to get better. I went to my first psychiatrist in 1967. And he looked over my history, and he says, well, he said, "Uh, you maybe got married too young, had children too soon. I says, well, now what do I do? You know, help me. So he added to my list of medication. So now I was taking not only Valium, but Meloril and Tafranil and Thorazine, and then we started out with 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams and when that therapy and all that medication didn't help, I went to my second psychiatrist in 1968, followed by a third one in 1969. And by this time, I was just, um, you know, very frightened, very scared, very, very withdrawn. People were starting to talk behind uh my back, like, what's wrong, what's wrong? Uh, my mother even asked me, you know, is your husband beating you? <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> you know, I
1: mean, that they can't find anything wrong, and yet you're severely depressed. Uh, you, ca- you can't get to sleep at night. You can't get up in the morning. You have the shakes. You have blurred vision. I mean, I had a whole list of, of, um, of symptoms. So this third psychiatrist now, I started being sick in 61, so this is now almost 69 or 68. I don't even remember right now. But... Um, he said, "I have a, uh, I have something that I believe would help you, you know." Uh, and I said, "I didn't even ask." I says, "Whatever it is, I will, I will take it. I, I will do it. I will take it." He just remember, I just remember that you have to be hospitalized for it. I says, "Fine." So my husband, we lived in Queens at that time. And he took me to Regal Park Hospital on Queens Boulevard. I said goodbye, and I just figured I would be going, you know, for some sort of treatment. I had no idea what the treatment is, but I trusted the doctor. I was going to get better. Well, when I went to, you know, up the elevator and went to the room, and I realized, oh, my God, why are there bars on these windows? And... Um, when I got off the floor, they took me in a room, stripped me of all my, my clothes, my medal, my, my wedding ring, and then I started hearing screams and yells and saw patients. It was a scene from One Pull Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and then I realized what was happening, that I was about to have electric shock therapy treatments, which I had no idea that that's what I had signed up for. So when I begged to get out to contact my husband, they said, We're well, sorry, since you had signed for a series... That was it. I had to have a series. Well, two or three weeks later and after eight or ten treatments, I was a zombie. And it was something that I just wanted to forget and I didn't talk about for umpteen years. So um, I came home. I hardly could function. And six months later, since I was even worse, I went back as an outpatient for, I think, six treatments. And then at that point, I said I just wanted to die. That was the end. So um, I went back to my original doctor, and he says, listen, he says, I don't know what to do. He says, maybe just moving, getting away, starting a whole new life, maybe that would be the best thing for you to do. At the same time, my husband had an opportunity to move down to Florida, and we said, please, let's go. You know, so we packed up our children. They were young at that time and took all our medication, all my medical history, and we came to South Florida. And at one point I thought I was being better, and... um, Maybe I said, oh, the sun is shining. I'm going to be better. But uh, we were at church one day and uh, one Sunday morning, and all of a sudden, while we were standing for a certain part of the Mass, I passed out. And uh, I had no um, recourse but to go to one of the doctors down here that a friend had recommended. And he looked over my history. And he says, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And uh, he put me in the hospital for more tests. And while we were in the hospital, again, I was standing and talking to him, and he says, Roberta, I really don't know what to do. And, again, while speaking to him, I passed out. And that's when he said, you know what? He says, out of all the tests that you had, you've never had a glucose tolerance test. I'm going to run it. And then he came back to me, and he says, Roberta, you have a severe case of hypoglycemia, and I swear to you, if you change your dietary habits, your symptoms will go away. And um, I thought, my God, this guy has to be crazy, you know. And uh, that, that was really um, the start of me knowing, you know, at least the word hypoglycemia. I knew nothing about it, absolutely nothing about it. He gave me one sheet of paper with instructions as far as what to eat, and that was it. But you're talking about 1971, 72, you know, um, it took me years. It took me years to find out, you know, what is hypoglycemia. Every book that I read was very medical and very technical. It took me a while to find out the importance of um, vitamins, the importance of exercise, the importance of therapy. Um, it, It took a long time. I had to go for hypnosis just to get off all the medicine that I was on. So um, I finally did it, and 19, you know, like 74, 75, I went to school, I went to work, and I thought this was going to be my life. And then in 1977, there was a tiny little article, Anyone Having Harmful Effects of Electric Shock Therapy Get in Touch with This Committee. It was the Committee for the Protection of Patients' Rights, and what they wanted to do was to show that here in South Florida they were doing administering electric shock therapy more than any other state, and they wanted some rules and regulations applied to it. So they asked if I would tell, they heard my story, they asked if I would go to Tallahassee and tell my story and see if we could revise the conditions surrounding the administration of electric shock therapy. And up until this point, I didn't tell anyone about it. I wasn't able to talk about it, but I sat my children down at that point they, you know, were near teenagers, and I told them what mommy had gone through. And, you know, I have a son and a daughter, and they were incredible. Go, mom, get them. Go, mom, go, mom. We're behind you. Uh, we're not embarrassed. Don't be ashamed, please. And that's what happened. I went to Tallahassee. Um, I got up on the stand, told my story. And before you know it, there was an article in the Miami Herald, shock treatment sends uh, you a know, woman to a one-woman crusade or something like that. So um, I started doing talk shows down here, especially Y100 was a talk show, very popular, with Tony Crabtree as a a talk show host, and she invited me on, and she said that every time I went on, because I went on several times, she asked me to go back. She says people would call in, please, please tell me more about hypoglycemia, tell me more about the diet, what vitamins should I take, what should I do. And it was Tony Crabtree who suggested it. She says, Roberta, you need to start a support group. And I said, there's no way. I mean, <laughs> I just want to share what I've gone through and what, I, you know, um, what has helped me, but I don't know how to start a support group. Well, she insisted and insisted. And at that time I was working with the Hollywood Playhouse because I was a makeup artist, and I went to their board of directors who had then become my friends, and I says, if I started a support group, would you help me? And they said, absolutely. We'll help you with the bylaws. We'll help you get, you know, you know, all the pros and cons of starting an organization. And, Darren, that's what happened. In 1980, I formed the Hypoglycemia Support Foundation, and this past June we celebrated 33
0: years. Wow. It's funny how things start from humble beginnings. And if you, if you didn't do it, you'd never be in this place right now. So No, no,
1: it's been a fabulous journey, a fabulous, I'm not saying not without an, an enormous challenges, because here I was a layperson, I was starting an organization that had to do with a, a medical condition or disease, depending uh-huh. upon which book you read, and then once I had my board of directors and advisors, I needed medical person, people I needed, I wanted to start monthly meetings, so I wrote to about 50 doctors in the area, told them who I was, what I wanted to do, would they support me, not one answered. So I was very, very lucky. I was introduced to a Dr. Douglas M. Baird, who was up in West Palm Beach, and he came and lectured, and everyone fell in love with him, and he is still, as of today, our medical director, and everything I know he has taught me, and um, he has seen more of uh, my family, friends, and, and, and people that have, you know, needed help. Um, so um, it, it was rough. But what I did, yep. which was incredible, thank God uh, I didn't give up. So I wrote to the biggest, the best, the most well-known researchers, authors, and doctors in the country from Dr. Robert Atkins, to Dr. Carlton Fredericks, to Dr. Emanuel Sharaskin, to Dr. Lendon Smith, and every single one of them helped and guided me for the first 15 to 20 years. So I'm very, very indebted to them. And thank God now we have a lot of doctors that are joining us. So, you know, but it's it's been um, quite a trip,
2: <laughs>
0: quite yeah. a trip. Yeah, I'd say you had a quieter journey. It kind of sounds like some of the things that I went through before I started to do the radio show. But um, one minute before we actually get into some questions here, um, Roberta, if anybody wants to call in and have the question, the number is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. When you come on, just hit one. I'll see you, and then I'll be able to bring you on the air to ask a question. So um, getting into hypoglycemia, I actually was at the dentist Tuesday, and I was telling someone about hypoglycemia, and she didn't know what it actually was. I know hypo and hyper and what those things mean. Can you kind of give us a rundown of what hypoglycemia actually is?
1: Okay. And, again, I'm going to do it from um, a lay person's standpoint of view. You have hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, and hyper, which is high blood sugar. Both of them are blood sugar management disorders. And um, with hypo, is what the, it's the body's inability to properly handle the amount of sugars that we consume today. It's almost like um, a car that needs regular gasoline and you're trying to put a regular unleaded and you're trying to put in diesel. It just won't work. And hypoglycemia is usually the result of poor diet, stress, lifestyle, and even disease. Now, most of it is brought on by poor diet, and the biggest culprit is sugar. Sugar, white flour, alcohol, caffeine, and tobacco. The body is simply not made to handle the amount of sugar the average American consumes today. I mean, you're talking about, depending on what book you read, I mean, you know, we used to have maybe, you know, 40, 50 pounds of sugar per person per year. It's now up to maybe 140, 150 pounds of sugar per person per year. Not only the amount that we eat, but the amount in the, sh- in, in the hidden foods, you know, it's in ketchup, it's in mustard. So um, this is it. The body just cannot handle it. It's an overload. So, um, you know, what we've been talking about in sugar and being the culprit with hypoglycemia for 33 years, just now recently in the last couple of years, we're thrilled that, you know, you especially in the media must see it that uh, every week you see a a magazine or a TV or um, a newspaper article about the harmful effects of sugar. You know, there's all kinds of books on it, you know, like Sugar Shock and, uh, you know, everything else and and TV videos and YouTube videos. And and basically this is what hypoglycemia is really um, a condition that's been, you know, that's, you know, affecting our population and most people don't even know it, but it's a result of poor diet. The most being hypo the most being sugar, sugar, white flour, alcohol, caffeine, tobacco.
0: Yeah, I had a question for you with regards to that. Okay. Actually, two questions. One would be, and um, just from your book, you said, and I don't know if you said this on one of your quotes or was it one of the uh, doctors? Seems like I remember it was a female doctor, but she said this in your your Q and A section of the book. She said. Uh, the people with low blood sugar or hypoglycemia should avoid the following things: sugar, wheat, and dairy. Can you kind of talk about those?
1: You know what? That's probably by Dr. Nancy Appleton. I you think
0: know, so. De- I think so.
1: It, it depends. Um, uh, some people will um, go on a hypoglycemic diet. You know, get diagnosed and eliminate what I just mentioned: your sugar, your white flour. Um, you know maybe not the alcohol but the sugar and the white flour and they do phenomenal on it some people don't you know if you eliminate your sugar, your white flour and you know the the, the biggest culprits and you are not getting better many times and according to many doctors now out there it is the wheat and the dairy and Mm -hmm. some people have to eliminate your wheat and your dairy before they feel better. Now, this is what Dr. Sharaskin had uh, told me many, many years ago. And the late Dr. Robert Atkins, this is why they put them on such a very strict diet. And Dr. Sharaskin said, listen, we don't know, you know, everyone is different. So what kind of, if they are diagnosed with hypoglycemia, what should we do and where should we begin? You know, so they put some doctors put them on a diet that, with the least amount of of foods that, uh, you know, that are you know that people could be allergic to, lean meats, uh, fresh vegetables, the green and, and the white, and stay away from everything else, and then slowly introduce your grains or your dairy, but at the beginning. You know, just let it be as as simple as possible, because we really don't know. Some people can handle dairy. Some people can handle wheat. I'm sure you now know the wheat controversy that's out there, that the wheat yeah. that we're eating is not the wheat that we ate 30, 40 years ago, and that's why we're having a lot of problems. So um, yeah. that was probably a quote written by Dr. Nancy Appleton, who was far you know, ahead of us with all the knowledge. And... You know, I I believe so, I may be wrong, but, um, you know, um, for certain people, wheat and dairy is, uh, you know, they just cannot handle it. But you know what? If you tell people to stay away away from sugar, white flour, dairy, wheat, it's very, very frightening. That's why we stress, or I stress in the book, to the importance of individualizing your diet. I don't know what you can and cannot tolerate. You know, the best thing for you to do is to work with your doctor, work with a nutritionist, work with a dietitian, but start out with keeping a diet symptom diary. This is the best gift that you can give to yourself. You know, so then you will know as an individual what you can and cannot tolerate. I don't know if that answers your yes. question. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that does, because I think what happens with a lot of people is that they look for a blanket solution and that's what we've been given. If you look at in the media, they think that everything works for everyone and everybody's different. I mean, I always tell people I'm African American, there's certain things that I just can I don't do well with milk. <laughs> I just don't. But there's someone else that might do well with milk. There's someone else that might do well with a lot of grain. <laughs> Pick and you know, Darren, spot, many, many
1: years ago I I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Lyndon Smith, and he wrote mm-hmm. so many books on, uh, you know, a, a proper diet uh, specifically for children. That was his expertise. And when I spoke to him and attended some of his lectures, he said the two worst things for children in particular were sugar and dairy. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says, no milk. I says Dr. Lyndon Smith, now this was 30 years ago, I says how can I go back and tell them no sugar and then go back and tell them no dairy? Now, he said this 30 years ago. He says it's because when they pasteurize it, they change the molecular structure and the body cannot handle it. So he said this 30 years ago, and now today some people, some children cannot handle it. Um, I came across, now I'm not advocating this because, again, I'm a lay person. I do advocate you know, you have to each take responsibility, you have to individualize your diet, you have to find out what you and you can and cannot tolerate as an individual. But I came across the work of um, have you heard of her? Uh, JJ, let's see um, JJ Virgin?
0: Yeah, I know JJ Virgin. Uh Okay,
1: right. So, I mean, I you know, I was reading what she had to say and the the you know the things to stay away from but everyone that says this it's not something that you stay away from for life and this is what scares people when they think that oh my god how can i never have eggs again or dairy again or milk again or wheat again and as she says it, you can introduce it back but you know heal your body first and then introduce it back one at a time to see again what you can and cannot tolerate so you know, um, there's a lot being thrown at us, so you can understand why at times it is a little bit confusing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a point of view, if I know that hypoglycemia is low blood sugar, what keeps me from just saying, okay, well, you know what? And I've seen this before. I've seen someone who's, you know, they get hungry and... They, they're they like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and grab me a candy bar. I'm going to go ahead and, and drink some, uh, some fruit juice or something like that. Why is that the wrong thing to do for someone who's suffering from uh, hypoglycemia?
1: Well, because, as I said, the biggest culprit is sugar, and by having a candy bar and having fruit juices, you know, it's only going to make matters worse. You may get a high for a few minutes, but within a half hour, 45 minutes, Your blood sugar is going to drop so low you'll feel miserable. The key is to be prepared. If you feel that, uh, well, first of all, education is the key, to be informed. Mm -hmm. If if you're listening to us and say, oh, my God, I have headaches or I'm irritable or I'm cranky or if I'm fatigued, you know, just stop and think. Evaluate your dietary habits. Do I have a lot of sugar? Do I drink a lot of caffeine, Uh, you know? Do I have a lot of alcohol? Do I skip meals? Do I exercise to excess? You know, so you've got to stop and think. Maybe that's what's bringing it on. Maybe my blood sugar is dropping because of that. The second thing besides education is preparation. You know, if you, you know, you have to be prepared. You have to get up. Mm-hmm. You have to make yourself a proper breakfast. You can't just skip breakfast. You can't skip lunch. So you have to be prepared. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to grab for that candy bar, you have to have something else with you. You have to have either a protein bar, a protein drink, hard-boiled egg, some, excuse me, you know, pieces of chicken or uh, string cheese or nuts. Or, and especially if you, if you drive back and forth to work 45, 50 minutes, have something uh-huh. in the car. In case you get stuck in traffic, it's three or four hours, you didn't eat, you start getting dizzy, you start getting shaky, preparation is the key.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as having your meals, how many meals do you suggest to keep your blood sugar, blood sugar at a normal level or keep well, it steady? Well, you could do level? it
1: two ways. You could have three meals and two uh-huh. snacks. This Now, if this is just guidelines. Everyone has to really you know, do it to their individual needs and their lifestyle. It could be three meals, it could be two snacks, or it could be six small meals throughout the day, almost like grazing throughout the day. You know, you must have something in the morning, and then like around 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. You know, the most important thing I can leave everyone with is protein in the morning, protein at night before you go to bed. What happens is a lot of people will eat 5, 6 o'clock, and then nothing else until the following morning, 7, 8 o'clock, can't do it, mm-hmm. you know? And I've spoken to so many people, and there's such a difference. If they eat 5, 6 o'clock, is 8 o'clock have something before they go to bed?
0: Yeah, I I agree with you on that. That's the old um the old bodybuilding thing where they tell you to eat six meals a day in order to keep your your blood sugar steady, I would I would think that that kind of uh, ties into uh, if you're hypoglycemia, you really have to keep your blood sugar normalized. Well, that's now, the
1: exact same thing. That's the exact yeah. thing. If they told you, that's the exact same thing to keep your blood sugar ste- steady and even throughout the day, and that's what we all have to do. So, what did you eat yeah. six times a yeah. day? <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I was obsessed with food at one time. I was just like, I would bring my my uh, l- my lunch at work with these Tupperware canisters, and I would have this big gallon-like uh, bag that I would put my stuff in, like one of those little cooler bags, and I would just take my food with me all the time. I don't eat as much now. I'm just at that point where I was believing. It wasn't for blood sugar. It was the, the fact of really getting my body lean. You were taught to eat. Many more times to kind of start that fat burning process, but since then I've, I've come across a lot of stuff that doesn't support that, so I don't eat as much uh, anymore. Now, uh, getting into hypoglycemia, you mentioned a couple of syst- uh, a couple of symptoms. Can you kind of go? I know in the book it was like, man, it was four or five uh, sentences, a paragraph of all the symptoms that right. have. Can you kind of get into those those symptoms?
1: sure. sure. For me, and I think for a lot of people, severe fatigue and depression are top of the list. Severe fatigue, depression, insomnia, crying spells, mood swings, um, irritability. Um, let's see. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I know
0: there, there was so one that I was, I was kind of, that was heart palpitations um, as yeah. well
1: yes yes Oh.
0: Okay. um
1: you know i i just mentioned why uh, say eight or ten if you go to nancy appleton's website she is like the pioneer she wrote she's been writing about hypoglycemia for like 40 years if not more she has a list of 144 symptoms of hypoglycemia so um you know that is uh that is You know, just um, uh, unbelievable. We just really, really don't associate it with it. But severe fatigue, insomnia, headaches, crying spells, mood swings, heart palpitations. Um, I'm trying to think of of all the others. (laughs) And um, so it's any symptom that you, I think any symptom that you have, Just stop and think, could it be what I am or are not eating? You know, because um, we just don't associate this food-mood connection. And I think that's uh, that's a message that I'd love to get across, that we are what we eat, how we think, how we feel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's kind of get into that because I wanted to touch on that anyway. um, The whole food mood thing, and let's specifically kind of get in that with uh, children because I know in the book you were big big problem that we're having with children. I I believe you also concentrated on that with your um, the gala that you just had was last Saturday. Can you kind of yeah talk about that with the, the problem that we're having with a lot of children?
1: Well, what happened is that um, our organization is 33 years old, and when we first started, I started hearing from, you know, people that were in their 40s and 50s, and then into the organization like 10, 15 years, I started to hear from a lot of teenagers who would get in touch with us. So it was sort of shifting. And then the last 10, 15 years, we've been hearing from teachers and parents and teenagers themselves um, and more focus on children, which is very, very alarming, you know, and so many parents of young children, two, three, four, five years old, and I says, My God, you know like what 's happening i I just couldn't believe it so um you know that 's when I really got concerned and really put out you know some um you know some letters and information and blogs out there. You know, what's happening out there? You know, share your stories with us. And um, and I tell you, it's heart-wrenching. I have this one right in front of me. It says, I have both a 4- four- and 5-year-old that have been diagnosed with hypoglycemia. Although I try to help them understand what is happening and help them listen to their body, it's frustrating that family, friends, and even their school teachers have no idea what they are going through but I have found the HSS website and Facebook and look forward to reading and receiving posts about what's happening. It's so good to know that somebody's out there. So we're getting letters like this over and over again. And to show the seriousness of it, we got this email from um, Parker's mom, and I spoke to her at length, and this this is like shocking. Parker is five years old. He has hypoglycemia so bad that he has to wear a watch that rings an alarm every two hours so he remembers to eat. If not, his Mm -hmm. blood sugar plummets and he experiences severe difficulties. This is what's happening to our young
0: people. Wow. And can this affect, um, this can affect uh, uh, mentally, right, correct, as far as being able to concentrate in school and all this other stuff?
1: absolutely they have a difficult time concentrating thinking clearly their grades are going down you know um you know absolutely every single thing but um for the very young you know like i'm not saying that this is with everyone but for the very young we see a big culprit is your fruit juices and your fruit you know um they love their fruit juices and uh you know, I was in Publix one day and I saw like a 3-year-old have like a 16-ounce cup of orange juice just drinking it. I mean, oh even God. though the orange juice is natural, it's, you know, 8, 10 teaspoons of sugar in it. You know, so um, it, it's it, it just, the body just can't handle it, especially for these young children. And then, you know, when I speak to their parents, you know, the mothers of these children, I tell them I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. You know, speak with your dietitian, speak with your doctor, speak with the nutritionist. However, after speaking to them, I could see some red flags, and the biggest one is fruit juices. And I tell them, please just stop or cut down tremendously. You know, just with like three quarters of uh, water and orange juice, and they'll call me in a couple of weeks and they'll say, Oh my God, what a big difference! Oh my God, what a big difference! Thank you, thank you. So um, yeah, very often it's just uh it's being aware and it's changing and um so um you know they're helping us and we're helping them
0: yeah you mentioned in the book which was which was great and it's something i totally agree with is the fact that don't go a lot of parents out there right now are medicating their kids with with, with regards to um, hyperactivity and not being able to focus and and concentrate you know they take them to the doctor first thing they I want a prescription, but you disagree with that. Can you talk about that? You have some really good guidelines as far as maybe changing the diet first and then also uh, seeing if your, your child has a hypoglycemia. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit?
1: Well, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, don't put your child on medication or don't put your child on, you know, to go to a doctor. Believe me, I'm not advocating that, but putting them on any type of medication is, is very serious. And all I'm saying is look into nutritional deficiencies, you know, first, you know, look into their diet, look into their dietary habits, see what they're eating, see what they're not eating, see if they're skipping meals. I mean, you know, do your homework before you start putting them on any type of medication Um, I say in the book, I have a whole chapter just on this, and I also advocate them reading, you know, the experts, Dr. Doris Rapp, Dr. Nancy Appleton, Dr. Lendon Smith. I mean, there are things that they could do, things that they could, you know, um, steps that they can take, you know, before, you know, uh, taking such a drastic step as medication. So um, I just ask anyone that's listening, you know, um, yes, work with your doctor, and you may be considering it, but please, before you do, you know, um, keep a check what they're eating, keep a diet symptom diary, look at them, evaluate them. If, this, if they're not having breakfast, see how they are into a couple hours, see if you give them something, see if they're allergic to it, red dye, it makes a big impact on children and their behavior and how they act. So, um, you know, be informed. Be informed, please, about the correlation between food and mood before you give any type of medication. You yeah, know, and then work with nutritionist, work with a dietitian. you know, tell your doctor, listen, okay, I understand that he may have ADHD or something else, I understand that you may want to put him on Ritalin or something else, but doc, before you do, can you send us to a dietitian? can you send us to a nutritionist, can we evaluate his dietary or her dietary habits, can we look and see if, you know, um, look into another area before we take such a drastic step?
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a friend, and um, she got a call from her uh, son's teacher and saying that he was, you know, wouldn't sit down, couldn't pay attention in class. And what she did is she actually she she said she thought about it, and she actually realized that before he would go to uh, school in the morning, she would always give him cereal, and it was something like Fruit Loops or Apple Jacks, you know, one of those high sugar cereals. And she said, oh, what wow. started doing was took him off the cereal. And um, actually started cooking him breakfast like eggs, bacon, stuff like that in the morning. And she said the teacher called her, probably about two weeks after that, and said, "Wow, wow what did you do? You know, he's he's like a different child now, and he's um, you know he's paying attention in class. He's sitting down. He's not talking as much." And she said, "I didn't do anything but change his diet." So there you go for people out there that are listening. And a lot of things come back with. Uh, just food, just being able to change somebody's diet. And I come from a background of being in the pharmaceutical industry and I know for a fact that a lot of people take that pill because they it's the easy way out. It's easier to just to get the prescription, take the pill and not worry about it. But
1: and most I think of time, it's, it's I think it's also although we've come so far, some of us haven't. We've put the doctors and the medical profession on a pedestal, and we just yes. listen to them and never question. I think it's changing. Um, yeah. It's not that we want to just, you know, take them off and, uh, you know, and uh, roll them up, but, you know, we want to be a partner with them, and we want to say, okay, doctor, I, you know, this is what I've heard, this is what I've, I, I've read about, um, and if anyone is listening, they could take, go to my website you know, I have blogs all on this. I think I've been writing blogs for two years or two and a half years. There's everything on hypoglycemia and diabetes, hypoglycemia in children, hypoglycemia and alcoholism, the whole list of symptoms. If you think that this applies to you or if you have any questions, download it. Take it to your doctor. Sit and say, Doctor, I heard this, uh, this program. You know, I'm concerned about my son. I'm concerned about my daughter. Can we discuss it? If your doctor just says absolutely not or you know, poo poo's the idea, it's time to change a doctor. But I think most of them will be open to it and let's hope that you could sit down and, and and draw up a plan and say, Okay, let's evaluate his dietary habits, let's go over it, let's change it, let's alter it, and let's see what happens. And very often within a short period of time you will see a big difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I always stress that. I tell people that all the time. I did a video on YouTube called "Fire Your Doctor," and oh um,
2: yes,
0: I did that. <laughs> I
1: loved it when I saw that. In and, fact, I was going to answer it, say, "Fire a doctor if he says that hypoglycemia does not exist." And unfortunately, I get letters that'll say that my doctor doesn't believe hypoglycemia exists. You know, he just poo-poo's it and says it's all in my head. So I was going to I was going to make a comment on
0: that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I had a I was actually reading your book and I had a bit of an epiphany today. And I don't know whether you can kind of speak to this or maybe connect the dots. From a lot of people lately have been have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I'm wondering if that may be more hypoglycemic than bipolar, and we're just not you know doctors are just not catching it because they're so. They still want to go into that whole thing of prescribing something for people. Have you come across anyone that might have had uh, right. thoughts? The only, thing by- I could,
1: the only thing I could tell you is that many, many, many years ago I attended a seminar, and, um, and it was given by Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Uh, If you look him up, he's done extensive work in uh, preventive medicine, holistic health care, and I also believe orthomolecular medicine. And I can see him right now writing on the board so many things, hypoglycemia, allergies, uh, food intolerances, bipolar, blah, 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 like 10 different things, and then underlined it. He says the culprit, diet, sugar. And he says, if you change your diet, you know, showing that a lot of these conditions, conditions, uh, you know, that the underlying thing is is your diet. Your diet, what is it? You are what you eat? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that, um, you know, hypoglycemia and bipolar go hand in hand, but I'm sure there's a doctor and there's some research out there that says it does. But I swear, I, I would, I would believe that if someone went on a diet, that um,
2: it, it, it it
1: would be, um, you know, it has to improve. It has to improve. But again, everyone listening must be working with a healthcare professional that is sympathetic to your needs that will work with you. You know whether it be a doctor into preventive medicine, holistic health care, a dietitian, a nutritionist, a biochemist, whatever it is they 're out there, you must find them if you 're in this situation where you don 't know you know if you have a child or you have these symptoms and and you don 't want to take the medication or if you're taking the medication it 's not helping or you don 't know where to turn and If you go on my website, we have a, a list of um Referrals, you know, uh, the American uh, Holistic Medical Association, there's a local doctor, Al Sears, there's the Life Extension Foundation that has a list of um, doctors from around the world. So they are out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You talked about working with your physician, and uh, one of the things in the book that I wanted to kind of discuss was the fact that it tests. You mentioned this earlier in the broadcast, excuse me, about the whole glucose tolerance test. And I know in the book you, you gave a guideline of taking, I believe, a six-hour test. Tell me the significance of that. and Actually, just talk about right. the glucose tolerance you test, what? what it does, and why you recommend a six-hour test. All
1: right. There's pros and cons with the glucose tolerance test. Um, if you take it, some doctors absolutely take it. Some doctors do not. The doctors that take it feel that um, that's the only, uh, there was a doctor again, a Dr. Alexander Shouse, and said this is um, an audiovisual society. Unless people see it in black and white, they don't believe it. So there are some people that if the doctor says, well, I believe you have hypoglycemia, you know, go on a diet, here it is, they don't believe it until they take a glucose tolerance test. They're not going to change it. They're not going to get rid of, you know all the sugar, the alcohol, and stuff, unless it you know they will absolutely have a a test to prove it, so that's you know one where they have to have a glucose tolerance test. Some doctors believe it if they do take a glucose tolerance test, it has to be at least a five hour glucose tolerance test because if you take it for just three hours or four hours, some people do not drop until the fifth hour so if if you doctor says i'm going to take a 3 hour glucose tolerance test it's 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 useless it has to be a 5 or 6 hour now uh fast forward there are doctors today that just evaluate your dietary habits you know go over your medical Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I didn't know what I thought somebody I heard somebody. Okay, so we'll evaluate your dietary habits And uh, put you on a diet, put you on a a program eliminating the big culprits, and that's all they do. And they generally see within a couple of weeks a big improvement, and that to them is, is definitely clarification that you have hypoglycemia. Some do not want to put anyone through the rigors of a glucose tolerance test. So you have two thought processes here.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So with the, the glucose tolerance test, I'm, even in your book you said if that glucose tolerance test comes back and says that you don't have uh, hypoglycemia, you would be kind of skeptical about that whole thing. Um, can you kind of go into that?
1: Um, I don't know what you mean by that. It, it, what um, Meaning that, well, if you think you have hypoglycemia... So this is what i think you're asking me so you feel that you may have hypoglycemia you go you take the test and the doctor says you don't
2: right okay right.
1: all right i remember and i i think i quote in that chapter what dr Carlton frederick says don't treat the results of the test treat your symptoms okay a test can be wrong it could be taken at the wrong time It could be, you know, a a bunch of stuff. Um, If you suspect that you have hypoglycemia, you take the test, Um, you know, I would still give the diet a try. What what would be the alternative? I mean, every article today reads about the, you know, the harmful effects of sugar and white flour. So whatever, you, you know, we advocate is what so many other, you know, doctors and and people in the health field are advocating uh, so um it could only make you better i mean if um, so i I don't know i I think what Dr. Colton Frederick said is treat the symptoms, not so much the results of the test, but again, mm-hmm. you know if a doctor comes back and says you don't have it, um, a person can be can be torn, and I've seen it from the the letters that I received people that have been sick for 10 years. My doctor said I didn't have it. My you know nobody believed me. And it wasn't until 10 15 years later, you know, where they're ready to, you know, um, you know, absolutely uh jump off a cliff that they found a doctor that will um, you know, help them and and um go through this and they say, "Oh my god, why didn't I change a long time ago?" So, um I, I don't know. I, w- I would hope that um, they would, you know, take a chance and change their, you know, what they are, you know, what they're eating, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so because I know um, when I was uh, reading the book, I was like, man, some of these people, the symptoms were so severe that they actually thought about committing suicide. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. we we get that. That's very common. That that's what we hear. Because most of the time it's taken years and years before they're diagnosed. The sad thing, Darren, is that what mm-hmm. happened to me almost 40 years ago is happening today. There's not a letter that I don't get a week or more or a day that's almost the exact same story what I went through. I answer four to 500 emails a month. And most of them wow, are very... So it's, 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 it's it's sad it's really really sad and that's why our organization is so needed that's why we need so many more doctors to join us that's why we need to raise more funds so we could you know do all the things that we want to do
0: yeah yeah i had um actually two questions that i'm dying to get to, <laughs> to save okay, it okay go ahead uh first one is can high into uh, diabetes? And, 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 again, I guess the second part of that question would be, for the audience out there, I know, but I just wanted to um, kind of get you to elaborate on it. What's the difference in um, hypoglycemia and um, diabetes?
1: Okay. You know, I, I had a feeling you were going to answer that. Ask me that question. So here, and I'm going to read it very slowly because we have a nutritionist that's been with us for some 30 years. Her name is Dr. Lorna Walker. She's a doctor of nutrition, Uh and she put this in the book, and I'm going to read it very slowly so that you can understand it, okay? Hypoglycemia Uh is a blood management disorder in which the pancreas reacts to a rapid rise in blood glucose levels by secreting too much insulin. While in diabetes, when blood sugar gets abnormally high, the damaged pancreas is unable to bring it down by secreting... Too little. In some cases, uh-huh. this hyperinsulinism is the precursor to adult-onset diabetes. The hypothesis is that the overactive pancreas, when predisposed by genetics, diet, and lifestyle, finally begins to wear down, and the end result is diabetes.
0: Oh, I got it. I got it. I- you got a pretty smart audience out there, so. Yeah, I got it. it. She's
1: incredible. I wanted to really get that out because I wanted it to be specific and let people know, you know. And now, um, I think there's another quote in my book, the hypoglycemia by Seal Harris, the hypoglycemia of today is the diabetes of tomorrow. So, as we're almost ending, I don't know how much longer we have, If you look at statistics today, where the numbers are with diabetes, how they're skyrocketing, how it is now affecting our children, our teenagers, wouldn't it be after tonight's show and after what I just read you that with hypoglycemia being a precursor, if we took care of hypoglycemia, we would avoid becoming diabetic? We would get those numbers down. So it is crucial for your audience and the people out there to know about hypoglycemia. It is crucial. So our organization has so much work to do. I mean, uh, we're just getting started and it's only because of people like you that we can get the word out, get the information out, get the people to visit our our website, get the people to sign up for our newsletter. I mean, I have a website out there with a wealth of information. I send out a monthly newsletter. I have a blog. I have, um, um, oh, my God, Facebook. So, um, I mean, the information is available. Please, I hope your audience takes advantage of it and looks it up. Because um, if we all work together, we can get those numbers down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can I keep you for 10 more minutes, Roberta? You I can got keep two. me all night. Absolutely. <laughs> got to do more questions. Actually, I think I have a question, so let me click on here and see if they, they want to come on the air. Caller, are you there? Hello? Yeah, hello. What's your name and where are you calling from?
3: Uh, Roberta knows me. My name is Connie.
0: Oh, uh, my God. Did, you, did I don't you have a question, Connie?
3: I am calling this just is to Connie. rave about Roberta, about how wonderful she is, and to tell everyone to check out her website, hypoglycemia.org, because she is the most caring and wonderful person. I, I ha- My name is Connie Bennett. I had a major issue with hypoglycemia, and she came to my rescue. So I just called the Lens Support.
0: Oh, this is Connie Bennett?
2: Yes,
1: Darren,
3: I can't believe it. Oh, my
1: God, Connie, thank you so much. (laughs) What a way to end the night. My God, I'm such a high. We started this whole program talking about you and how Darren was able to get to me through you. Is this ironic?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've been taking time off, but I just had to lend some support. Roberta is amazing. And if you have hypoglycemia, she is like the go-to person.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well thank you for calling and I'm getting you on my show, Connie. Next I will, year. yes. When <laughs> I
3: when I finish my uh reclusive uh time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've been oh taking my time
3: out God. since my mom passed away. I
1: know, Connie. I, I know. Yeah. Anyhow, okay, I was I'm sorry gonna...
3: to bother you during your show but I just had to tell your callers to please Roberta has such great, great information and and I, she helped me so much to identify that all these wacko symptoms that I had from mood swings and and difficulty concentrating and and heart palpitations and just crazy stuff and and when you have hypoglycemia you just don't know, you know you you think you're weird, and you're not. It's what you're eating. So Roberta is like the person to help you. Oh my God, Connie,
1: thank, thank you so much. Thank you so thank
2: much, you
0: so much a for a
3: Thank you
1: so much.
0: Bye-bye. I know. All
1: right. I might, is that incredible that she would call? That's fabulous.
0: Yeah, I actually, I think I told her that you were going to be on the show at email. Or I, didn't, I didn't know if she was going to call in or not, but that's great. That's great. I'm so looking forward to discussing more about sugar with her. I had um, actually one more. I know when you and I initially spoke on the phone, this is something, again, that kind of intrigues me. And it came about as a lecture. I was uh, looking at a lecture on, um, I think it was YouTube or something like that, uh, where Russell Blaylock, Russell Blaylock is kind of one of the foremost authorities on MSG, but he was doing a lecture when he was discussing what we discussed earlier with food and mood. And he also talked about how most alcoholics are actually hypoglycemia. And I know that you and I talked about this when we spoke on the phone, and you had a big section in on your book. Can you talk about that?
1: Well, yes. Um, I think it had something like 30 years ago, again, with a uh, medical director. It was one of the first uh, programs that he put on. And mm-hmm. while he was speaking, he spoke about um, hypoglycemia, and then he said alcohol. You know, he says, every alcoholic is hypoglycemic. They're just one and the same. And I just said, what? You know, I mean, I, he just uh, threw me like for a loop, and then he started to explain it. You know, he says, well, he said, it's very, very common. He says, and if you go to an AA meeting, what are they doing? They're, they're getting off of alcohol, but they're going from one addiction to the other. They go into nicotine, sugar, um, caffeine. And uh, it's funny because I just spoke to someone the other day and uh, she said that a friend of hers went to a, an AA meeting and it was the first time ever that the gentleman that was putting on the program got up and said, you must eat sugar. Eat sugar all day long, you know. And um, so this is what some... You know, uh, advocating at these meetings. So, um, you know, so with alcohol, alcohol, uh, they're just going from, um, you know, from one addiction to another. So um, it's 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 sad. Um, you know, that again is a lot of work that we'd like to do, a lot of research that we'd like to do, and uh, we're hoping that we could, um, you know, that we can do it. So um, you know, again, go on my website. I have a whole. I think I have several blogs on hypoglycemia and alcoholism on and your the parallels. You know, so uh, and they're in detail on the yeah. blog. You know, so that that'll be really really good. If anyone's listening, please please um, you know, give yourself a gift. Go on there, look at my blogs the correlation between hypoglycemia and alcoholism. It will tell you what books that you should go get, especially there's an excellent, excellent um, uh, website. Dr. Joan Matthew Larson uh, will tell you everything about hypoglycemia and alcoholism and her personal story and why she's dedicated her whole life to just this subject. So um, please, if anyone uh, is dealing with the... uh you or your loved one is dealing with alcoholism please go on my website go on my blogs read it they're real short but they'll lead you to loads of information loads of other link uh, websites that are you know just addressing the subject
0: Yeah. yeah i'm here i'm actually here um, one last question, and then I, I think we'll, we'll let you go. Um, but I had a, one question uh, with regards to, uh, I read something in the book about artificial sugar, like uh, Splenda, um, what is it, aspartame and things like that. Do those things have the propensity to uh, affect someone who has hypoglycemia?
1: Well, according, again, to Dr. Nancy Appleton, who is, you know, the foremost authority, Sugar is sugar is sugar. Even, um, you know, all the artificial sugars, uh, you know, she does not advocate, you know, um, most of the doctors that I work with say, please stay away from them. Um, Some are saying that um, Truvia in small quantities, you know, they can have, but, um, you know, they really advocate, you know, staying away from them.
0: Yeah, I think Dr. Apple
2: something
1: that would
0: be. I think uh, what she mentioned was stevia as something that that was good.
1: Yeah, you know, yes, but that that was um, you know that was before the uh, Truvia came out. Now the uh, you know uh, is that how you say Truvia? So um, you know, you know, if you could have it occasionally, fine. But mm-hmm. if you're going to start having it all day long in your coffee and your tea and you've got to sprinkle it on, on your your uh, cereal and you have to do it, it's just not good. You know what I mean? Nobody really knows um, the effects of yeah. this, especially in large quantities. So um, if you can keep everything to its natural state and just have it occasionally, you know, that's what's best. Again, you know... Um, Work with the healthcare professional, work with the dietitian. work with the nutritionist. Um, they have your medical history in front, what you can and what you cannot tolerate, what you should and what you should not do. So everyone is different, but if you can keep everything in its natural state, that would be the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. Roberta, thank you so much for being on the show. We definitely have to um, have to meet in person. Can you give people a way to, to contact you? You mentioned your website several times. Can you mention that again? And also, I don't know if you take phone consultations or can they call you, but if you want to give that information out, do so.
1: Okay. Uh, reach me. At, go visit my website, hypoglycemia.org. If you visit that, you will find my uh, email address, which is R-R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O at hypoglycemia.org. But the best way is just go on my website, very simple, hypoglycemia.org. Um, email me if you want to speak to me. I'll send you then my um, telephone number, and uh, we could chat, especially if you're in Davie and summarize. Are you
0: there, Darren? Yeah, Darren? I'm here. I don't know something's going on with Skype tonight, but, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, I hear you.
0: I hear you. Yeah, it's something going on with Skype. I usually dial in from Skype, but, well, that's good. But um, thank you again for being on the show, and I will definitely keep in touch. Um there's some other things that i um, probably invite you back and there's some other things that I have on the uh, on my plate that I want to get get done especially when it comes to sugar so I will definitely keep in touch and again thank you
1: Oh thank you Darren and what's happening is next time I could bring some of my uh the people that I'm working with like maybe a nutritionist a dietitian or a doctor and we can get into the other areas of hypoglycemia
0: Okay. Sounds good. I'd love to have you back on and maybe have another guest on and we can talk a little bit more about that in the future, okay?
1: Right. And if you have Connie on singularly, then maybe one other time we can do it together, the three way conversation.
0: That would be great. I would be I would look forward to something like that. I'm going to get her on. She said next year, so <laughs>
1: Okay, good, good. Okay, listen, stay well and thank you for this opportunity. See again. I hope we reached a lot of people. The main thing is to educate themselves. Go to our website. There's a wealth of information, and then preparation is the key. But, again, uh, go to your doctor, take our information, and sit down with him and say, I listened to this person. I read their information, and I think it may apply to me. Please, can we work together on it?
0: Yeah, good advice, good advice. All right, so thanks again. And uh, like I said, I... We lost you. What opportunity?
1: Okay, Can you good hear me? take care now. Good
0: night. All right, thank you, Roberta. Bye bye.
1: Okay, bye bye.
0: All right. So I hope you learned something from the show. <clears throat> I don't have anybody scheduled for next week, but the week after, I do have Dr. Uh, Sally Rockwell who is coming on the show. I believe that's November the seventh, and she's going to. She's a clinical nutritionist, and she'll be talking about things like food uh, sensitivities. For- A, should be a great show, and then after that, I have a couple of people uh, lined up uh, for the show as well. Uh, I think I'm going to do one talk on uh, uh, ketogenic a ketogenic diet and actually cancer and how it can help cancer, um, and that would be Dr. David Jockers. So um, I'll let you know about those shows, but definitely November 7th, <clears throat> I will have Dr. Sally Rockwell on, and I may do something next week. I may be able to reach out to someone and. Have and I don't have anything scheduled, so that would be a, um a bye week, so to speak, as we would say in, uh, basketball language or football language. But, <clears throat> so, uh, thanks you for listening to the show, and I'll see you next time, same fat time, same fat channel, and if you have any questions for me, you can, you can email me. Everybody knows me, I'm on Facebook, so you can send those through Facebook if you're my friend on Facebook, or email me at darren at fat, that's P-H-A-T- dash And if you have not liked my Facebook fan page, please do so. Uh, it's called I'm the Fat Man. Just look up that on uh, Facebook. And give me a like and tell me, uh, give me some feedback on the show as well. I always like feedback on what I can improve, uh, improve on. So again, thank you for listening to the show and have a great night.